But we had hoped. It's one of the saddest quotes in all the Gospels. But we had hoped. This sad expression finds its place in lots of hearts. We've got lots of dashed hopes swirling around. Some of them are mundane, and maybe I'll call them first world problem-esque. But we had hoped the Oilers would have a great playoff run. If you've checked the stats in the NHL.com website, you also see that in first place in scoring and assists is Leon Dreisaitl, an Edmonton Oiler. And in second place is Connor McDavid, an Edmonton Oiler. 110 points for Leon, 43 assists, 60, 43 goals, 67 assists. Connor, 97 points, 34 goals, 63 assists. But we had hoped. And some of our dashed hopes are about reunions and gatherings, these great relationship-building events, these long-cherished traditions, and we saw our festivals fall this past week. Fringe, Folkfest, Heritage Days, ugh. And then some of our dash hopes are devastating and sad and full of weeping and sorrow. And Jay captured many of those laments in our prayers today. How do we wrestle with all these losses and these disappointments and despairing situations? I found a reflection this past week from an American Baptist minister, and he talked about practicing lament, living into hope. He said, the wisdom of lament is that we take our sadness and our anger and our frustration at the losses and we give them to God rather than hold them to ourselves. We can speak harshly, even selfishly, because we are not acting on these thoughts, but rather giving them to the one who will safely hold them. Lament pushes past what is happening and invites us to name the feelings of fear and vulnerability inside us that will eat us alive if we do not name them and release them. And so we bring our hurting hearts, we bring our fears and our vulnerabilities even to the story of the Gospels today. And we walk along these disciples in their gloom and their grief. While they were talking, Jesus himself came near and went with them. What are you discussing? They stood still, looking sad. And looking at him with tears in their eyes, they cry out, Are you the only stranger around who doesn't know? It's Jesus, condemned, crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And Cleopas jumps into the conversation, raises his voice a little, and furthermore, the women disciples are astounding us. They've seen and heard angels saying that he is alive. But we did not see him, 
we did not see. And Jesus intensely, but with kind and caring eyes, looks at the two friends. Oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe what the prophets have declared. It was necessary that the Messiah suffer and then enter into his glory. And then Jesus interprets to these two companions things about himself in all the scriptures. Jesus stops the companions in their tracks. He lovingly rebukes them and then graciously reminds them. And I'd like to suggest this morning that Jesus has this same potential to stop and rebuke and remind us of God's storyline. Perhaps he might phrase it like so. You just don't get it, do you? Let me interpret myself to you. And so for us, as Jesus followers in these days, with lots of fresh we had hope stories in our minds, in our lives, even as you look around the places of worship where you might find yourselves today, you have these we had hoped stories and laments. And we invite Jesus into the story of our lives and We try to have eyes to see and ears to hear what Jesus has for us. And he might say, you're slow of heart. Believe. But what shall we believe, Lord? What kind of belief will help us today? And as the risen Christ said to those first disciples, he says to us, I am risen indeed. I am with you. I am among you. Within you, even though you don't always recognize me, I am the resurrection. And I send you out day after day to resurrect me in your hearts, to resurrect me in your bodies, in your lives, says Jesus. And if Jesus is truly the bearer and the gardener of creation. Remember a couple of weeks ago, back in John 20, Mary Magdalene thought Jesus was the gardener, but at the same time, that might have been such a great revelation that Jesus is tending and gardening a new creation. And if this gardening, creating Christ lives in us, then we bear Christ. We bring Jesus' presence into the world. One reflection that I found helpful this week went this way. Is this why the two companions of Emmaus saw him and then didn't see him? Because the place that Jesus most wants to be seen is in our bodies, among us, in us. And so we pray that these living this living companion in Christ might influence and enliven us in this 50-day season of Easter. We're in day 15. There's still 35 days to listen, to hear, to have eyes that have seen the Lord. And so we open our eyes. We try not to be foolish and slow of heart, and we believe in this living Christ who is, as we often say, on the loose 
This living Christ who's on the move locally, globally, redeeming the world. And we get to join Jesus in this good, restoring work in the world. Even in the midst of our dashed hopes. Even in the midst of our grief and our disappointment and wondering if things will ever be the same, we will believe in a living Christ. A Christ who is fashioning a new creation, forging a new way. I was thinking maybe a creative and fun way to put this story into practice in these days is to skim through our Old Testaments, uh, what we often call the First Testament, and find verses or storylines to live out in this season of Easter. So if you have your Bibles with you even now, maybe you can think of an Old Testament verse or an Old Testament story that um, reminds you of the living Christ. Because remember, Jesus says, I will be found in all the scriptures. And the New Testament wasn't invented yet, so he was obviously talking about the Torah, the writings of Moses, the prophets. And so let's reread our Bibles in these days. And let's reinterpret the story of Jesus in a new light. Maybe you'll come up with some of your favorite Old Testament stories or verses that really proclaim the living Christ in these days of Easter. I was thinking of a couple of mine. One is from Isaiah 43, verse 19. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my people, the people who I formed for myself so that they might declare my praise. This will be good banter for us in our Zoom coffee hour or our midweek meetup this week. What is your Old Testament promise in Scripture that comes to life to you in this new season of Easter? What is that promise or Scripture that is carrying you, is inspiring you, is speaking to your heart in these days? We'll look forward to sharing stories about that. Because Jesus invites us to reacquaint ourselves with the prophets and the promises of the Old Testament, for they truly testify of him. And before we leave today's story, I don't want to rain too hard on our parade, but remember these Emmaus friends ran back to Jerusalem. They rejoiced in the revelations with their companions, but... The reality was that going back to Jerusalem was not going to be a Disney, they lived happily ever after fairy tale. Running back to the heart of the city that had condemned to death and crucified their Lord was a super risky, dangerous move. The chief priests, the leaders had not stepped down from their positions of power, and they're not going to be amused with these rabble-rousing Jesus followers. But what these fledgling, faith-forming, and at the same time terrified disciples will find is that they have discovered and encountered living, eternal, true life. 
life abundant. They've discovered something precious, powerful, world-changing. And that they're learning that to follow Jesus, it's not a matter of force and domination. It's a matter of taking up the weapons and arms that Jesus had entered into Jerusalem with just eight days earlier. They'll bear the weapons of love, patience, suffering, and peace in a city and a world filled with hatred, hostility, and the clenched fist. And so we, who are on the run in Easter, trying to be bearers of good news and new creation, these are the weapons of our warfare. We come with love. We come with patience. We come with suffering in our hearts. And we come with peace. And we become those who refrain the echoes of these first disciples. Where they said, the Lord is risen indeed. And he has appeared to Andrew. And maybe when you look around your room or the places that you move this week, you might say to others, the Lord has risen indeed. He's appeared to Ryan, to Gerald, to Don, to Andrew, to Jeremy. The Lord has risen indeed. And our prayer, Lord Jesus, in the midst of your risenness, we are praying that you would stay with us. We are praying that you might abide with us. May our Easter eyes be opened. May our Easter ears hear your voice through your living word. And may our Easter hearts burn within us as you continue to make yourself known to us.